morning, brothers and sisters, friends, visitors. It is a beautiful day outside and inside. And uh, I think that we need uh, to hear the truth uh, more than ever before. Is that true? Because truth is always beautiful and uh, is designed by God to release us from bondage and uh, troubles of this world. Unfortunately, uh, we are in a time frame in history that is not very, very beneficial for the people of God. But uh, I do really believe that with any price, uh, we have to, do, um, to ha- accept the truth as he's produced by God. And uh, today's subject is uh, the truth uh, about future. Everyone wants to have a future, correct? If you ask a teenager, uh, a young fellow, what would do you foresee or a feature for the next? And he says, I would like to buy a brand new car, correct? <laughs> a young lady says, what is, what is your pleasure for the future? Well, first I would like to get married and then wait for the second coming of the Lord Jesus. You know, it depends to whom you address this question. So everybody's looking for a future. Everybody's looking for the truth. But in reality, we do have some information for all of us today uh, in regard to the future. Now, this Bible verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and 75, does have a lot of relevance for me. As some of you remember, I was struggling for four or five years with a personal... uh, um, encounter with the Lord, and this is one of the most precious gifts that uh, I have received, and promises that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ, that he, I mean Jesus, would grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Now, Here in these two Bible verses, we have few elements in the picture. Everybody heard about the statement in the scripture that in love there is no what? Fear. Fear. Yet, when do we apply that? In a perfect world. I'm coming from a country where we had to worship, uh, to have Holy Communion 5 o'clock in the morning with the blankets in the windows, because to be caught by the persecutors in the act of Holy Communion, that will mean five to seven years in prison. So uh, he will, he will uh, grant us the chance, he will grant us to, to deliver out of the hand of our enemies. Jesus has promised that in the future, he will deliver us out of the hand of our enemies. Uh, Tell me, do we invent enemies? Do we create them? Do we manufacture them? Or they do exist by default. We did not create the enemies, but they do exist because we love whom? We love the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, I will deliver you from the, uh, the hands of your enemies, And then what happens when Jesus will deliver us from the hands of our enemies? What happens? We shall serve Jesus without what? Without fear. Um, 
It is very important for us, brothers and sisters, have on page 19, has a very, very interesting statement, an understanding of the hope of Christ's second coming is the key that unlocks all the history that follows and explains all the future lessons. Now, Adventism pretends or demands a better knowledge and understanding of the events that regard the future of this world, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, but I want to make a... Uh, I would like to to be precise. Adventism does not have a knowledge of the truth in regard to the future because they are superhumans. Adventists do have a better understanding about future because it was granted or it was given to them. Is that true? And here implies the spirit of prophecy that we really high regard, have high regard. And I do really believe that without the spirit of prophecy, Adventism would not have nothing special to deliver to the world. An understanding of the hope of Christ's second coming uh, is the key that unlocks all the, all the history that follows and explains all the future lessons. Now, I would like to go a little bit farther, and Abraham Lincoln is one of my favorite presidents of the United States, beside many others, evidently. But uh, he, had, uh, he was a very, very uh, uh, close uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. He did have a spiritual uh, lifestyle. I see a very dark cloud on America's horizon, and that dark cloud is coming from Rome. So as you can see, even the President of the United States somewhere back in time did have this concern about the future of America, the future of our country, the future of our teenagers, the future of our children. Is that true? So he says, I am concerned about the future. I am concerned about the future. And I see a very dark cloud on America's horizon. And that dark cloud is coming from where? From Rome. As you will see, the forefathers of this country um, did have a knowledge that our new generations have a, are, in the, are more lenient or do have the tendency to lose. The knowledge and uh, the, the truth about the history, the past, was very well known by our forefathers. That's why uh, Benjamin, um, Abraham Lincoln was capable to produce such a statement in those days, I see a very dark cloud on America's horizon, and that dark cloud is coming from Rome. Now, beside Abraham Lincoln, I'm coming back to Ellen G. White, uh, the, um, uh, the Daniel, of, Daniel of modern times, if I will call it, Ellen G. White. Uh, we have come to a time when God's sacred work is represented by the feet of the image in which the iron was mixed with a mirror clay. So Ellen G. White recognizes our times very solemn. Why? Because we are living right at the threshold of eternity, right at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same time, like Abraham Lincoln, she makes a statement very similar with the President of the United States. Our country, unfortunately, I say, will shall repudiate every principle of its constitution and Protestant and Republican government. And then what happens? That the end is 
near. When these things happen, the end is near. We live in a world that has access to information and we know that things are happening. And uh, I would, uh, uh, with your permission, uh, to, to, cr to create the, the, the support of this very uh, hundred and some years old statement, uh, to link it with a present reality, I would, uh, with your permission, quote uh, the, our president, the president of the United States, in regard to this, says, Washington politicians have been hostile to the church. They have been hostile to the Catholics. They have been hostile to the members of Catholicism. And what's happened? My administration will stand side by side with the American Catholics to prove the values we all share as Christians and Americans. So it is the first time when we do have an exposure of a clear, powerful, straight, direct statement of the highest uh, official of our country saying that I'm going to work side by side with what type of religion in America? With the American Catholics to promote the values we all share as Christians and Americans. I think it's a well-designed statement, but reflects a very serious situation of our country. And it's not all our country, but it's the world, in fact. Coming back to Ellen G. White's, uh, uh, the, the Daniel of America, this investing the church with the power of the state will bring what? Evil results. So, hundred and some years ago, Ellen G. White foresaw all these things. And uh, the voice uh, from Rome comes, as usual, the Pope. Um, the Pope is the ruler of the world. All the emperors, all the kings, all the princes, all the presidents of the world are as these altar boys of mind. The Pope is the ruler of the world. So this statement is in 1912, but probably applies more than ever before in 2018. Is that true? So uh, the Pope does have this demand, and in fact, uh, can be uh, that the Pope is right in this statement, uh, that the presidents are like whom? Like these altar boys of mine. Is that, it's, a, it's a pretty fancy statement, is that true? Uh, I would like to share with you a picture to see if a president is like an altar boy. Do you want to see a picture that uh, supports this declaration? A picture that supports that a, a president behaves like an altar boy before the Pope. And you know, a picture values how many words? <laughs> Thousand words. Look at this. Now tell me, who is the altar boy in this picture? You see... It's the way that you have the, the position of a teacher and the position of the student, yes? So this is the reality. All the emperors, all the kings, all the princes, all the presidents of the world are, uh, the, uh, uh, are as these altar boys of mine. So uh, in reality, this beautiful, mighty, great, wonderful nation... It was designed by God to deliver the Bible to the world. And as the foundation, we do have a republic, which means, or can be translated by, a religion with no popes and a society with no what? Kings. That was the initial design 
of American Republic. Is that true? And that's why you do have the former World Trade Center, the two towers representing one. They were equals in power, in size, in, in our architecture. They were one was representing the religion without the popes, uh, and the other one a society, state without the kings. We are a republic because America did not accept the unity between state and the church. That's why we have this beautiful symbol. Now, I would like to switch the page to see how is America perceived by the people outside of this country. Uh, America was much helped by a lot of uh, nations. I mean, a lot of nations. Some of the nations to win the war against England. Do you know who was one of the countries that helped and supported America, the colonies, in the war against the English? France. And uh, definitely uh, one of the greatest generals, I don't know exactly if you recall, but one of the mightiest genius that have been sent by, I think is Napoleon, I don't recall very well, but I think that Napoleon sent this guy, is Lafayette. You heard? Have you ever heard about Lafayette, one of the generals, one of the masterminds that came here to help Americans against English? And he comes with the knowledge of Europe, and he makes a statement uh, because he respects the American freedom. It is my opinion that if the liberties of this country the United States are destroyed. It will be by the subtle of the Roman Catholic Jesuit priests. So Lafayette comes from France, and he's very accustomed with this expression that is very little known to our progressive society here, Jesuitism. And he says, for they are the most crafty, dangerous enemies to civil and religious liberty. They have instigated most of the wars in where? In Europe. Now, how can I share, how can I document that? Because I have a relatively 40 minutes, yes, in a divine service. We cannot have a three, uh, 30 hours eschatological service. But I would like to share with you how Jesuits were involved or the Catholic uh, uh, intentions were involved in the wars in Europe. Uh, you heard about the First and the Second World War, yes? Hopefully, the third world world will stay far away from us a little bit. But uh, I would like to share with you some pictures to see if Lafayette is, is, is he clear, distinct in what he states, or is it just a fantasy? Uh, first and the Second World War, I would like to share with you some. Uh, this is a German uniform. Is that true? Everybody knows that. And this is uh, uh, John Paul II. Uh, I would like to um, point the finger to a sign. This is the sign of a crucifix. It's the same, basically, sign that you see here, yes? This sign and this sign are identical, yes or no? So that shows that, in reality, the German army was supported in the background by whom? By the papacy. In every uh, airplane or tank that you have fighting in Europe against Russia and so on and so forth. You do have this sign, correct? In the German... Where, where is this sign coming? I mean, I understand this is, uh, this is uh, something fancy, a, a symbol of a cross that comes from Rome. Where did Rome take this? And uh, I'm looking... This is a, a greater image of this uh, insignia. 
But this is the original authentic sign of the cross is the creation of Constantine the Great that have created uh, the design of crusades, yes, a military expedition in the name of a noble religion, which was the Christian religion. So basically the crusades uh, have been designed by Constantine the Great with the purpose of converting everybody by force of the sword, by the power of the sword. So since that time, you, uh, these crusades basically evol uh, did evaluate in, in a, a, a modern crusade. So that's why you have here nothing else but the cross of Constantine the Great. In the name of the cross, we will win everything, you know. So in the end of the day, Lafayette looks like he has this statement that they, the Jesuits, have instigated most of the wars in Europe. I would like to go a little bit farther. Uh, uh, another reputable uh, personality, it's uh, um, uh, John Adams. And uh, he is one of the, uh, the, the pioneers that have established and uh, that, uh, how should I say, gave its input to the building of a wonderful uh, nation like United States. And he says, I do not like the late resurrection of Jesuits. They have a journal now in Russia in correspondence with Jesuits in the U.S., who are more numerous than everybody knows. Now, since we had this election stuff and a well, big scandal that the Russians were involved in where? In what? In the support of the whatever, certain candidate. Now, uh, it is interesting that uh, we thought that there will be a war between America and Russia. There will no, never be a war between uh, Russia and America because they are good friends, brothers and sisters and visitors. And I do believe as long as you have a journal in Russia in correspondence with the Jesuits in the United States, everything is okay. So, and this is, this is a long, long time ago in the time of, uh, of, uh, of uh, um, uh, John Adams. Shall we not have swarms of them here in as many shapes and disguises as ever in the shape of printers, editors, writers, schoolmasters, etc.? I have long been decided in opinion that a free government and a Roman Catholic religion can never exist together in any nation or country. Liberty and popery cannot live together or cannot coexist. So, brothers and sisters and friends, uh, 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 John Adams knew exactly the mentality of the Inquisition in Europe. And he says, it doesn't matter if you're living in America or Argentina or whatever, China, the, 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 the Roman, a free government as a concept and Roman Catholic religion can never exist together in any nation of country. Liberty and popery cannot live together. That's, that's the reality. So it's not about something fancy, special about America. No. Every nation you don't have, where you have Catholicism, you don't have what? Freedom. Now, uh, just to confirm this, uh, I mean, because maybe ben, uh, uh, John Adams has something personal against papacy, but uh, would you like to have a document? Uh, and I, by, by the way, I verified the next document. I verified this document in internet and he's erased. It's, it's one of the, de the uh, uh, papal decree, but you do have this in the uh, appendix of the great controversy, the original version. So uh, I would think that is the best to be objective, to hear if this is what, what uh, because this is a grave accusation of John Adams against papacy, correct? But uh, I think it's honest uh, to hear both violins. This is one violin, but we would like to give the right to, the, to the, 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 the papacy to defend itself if this statement is right or wrong. And uh, I would like to share with you a statement uh, of, of the Pope, Pius IX, 
in uh, 1854, uh, 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 August 15, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in regard to freedom of conscience and liberty uh, in America. And this is the, the declaration. The absurd, this is what the Pope says in regard to John Adams' statement. The absurd and mistaken doctrines which defend the freedom of conscience are the most pestilential errors, a plague which from amongst all is the most to be dreaded in a state. So now when you, when you hear this declaration coming straight from the Pope, do you think that it's a coherency uh, between this declaration and the declaration previously made by, the, by, by John Adams? I think that John Adams legitimately uh, declared what the Pope itself, himself confirms. And he says that freedom of conscience is a pestilence. It's a plague and has to be dreaded from the state. I mean, he fears that freedom of conscience. And then he says the same Pope made anathema and cursed all those who defend the freedom of conscience and all those who contest the right of the church to use the force. Pope Pius uh, 9th and 15 August 1854. So you see, uh, unfortunately, these are historical elements that will help us now to define and uh, to, to, to profile a better, uh, uh, a real future about what happens uh, in, uh, in, in next. Uh, and now, I did, this, is, this is one of the mega statements uh, that I would like to share with you. It's uh, Archbishop Jeb Quingley, May 5th in 1903, Chicago Daily Tribune. He says, within 20 years, this country is going to rule the world. Kings and emperors will soon pass away, and the democracy of the United States will take their place. That, that vision of Catholicism about America becoming a, a, a mighty nation was described in 1903. Now we are 2018. And what he says, when, 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 when ha this happens, all these kings and emperors will pass away, and the democracy of the United States will take their place. And what happens, what's happened then? He says... When the United States rules the world, the Catholic Church will rule the world. Nothing can stand against the church. Uh, the subject is called the truth, yes, about the future. That's the truth. Now, uh, in regard to money, because we are talking about two things here. We talk about money uh, which is power, and we talk about religion and uh, society and politics, which is power too. Uh, one of the most interesting declarations, uh, Henry Kissinger, the former state secretary of the uh, United States, if I'm not mistaken, wrote a book called The World uh, Order. And in page 20, he makes a very interesting statement. Religious unity had fractured with the survival and spread of prote Protestantism. The Protestant Reformation destroyed the concept of a one world order. It's interesting. Sustained by the two swords, papacy in one side and empire on the other side. What do you see here? I mean, do you think that Henry Kissinger doesn't understand uh, the uh, Revelation chapter 13? Uh, Revelation chapter 13 uh, has uh, two parts, one to 10, talks about the papacy, yes, first power. And then from 11 to the 18, I think, 
you have the empire, correct? So how many powers do you see in Revelation 13? How many powers? Two. One from 1, verse 1 to 10, which is the papacy. And the second one that has a lot of work, you know, in regard to magnifying the power of papacy is the empire, which is us. And, and, and he is very frustrated, Henry Kissinger, saying the Protestant Reformation destroyed the concept of a one world order. So he knew that globalism, uh, one world dictatorship, has one single enemy. Who is this enemy? The Protestant Reformation. So that's why last year, uh, somewhere October, yes, we declared the death of Protestantism, correct? So if Protestantism has died, then who is opposing the one world order? Is there someone? Nobody. I do really believe that the Lord has a plan for us in this respect. This is another name that uh, uh, probably some of you know. Uh, he wrote uh, his book called Memoir. And he says, uh, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists. All the time we are obsessed with a, a conspiracy theory. If you say uh, it's a conspiracy, you look ridiculous in our society. Is that true? Oh, you're, you're this obsessed psycho guy with the conspiracy theory? Get out, man. We're living in a real world. Just let me. But let me tell you something. The great controversy, the great cosmic conflict, it starts with a conspiracy, yes or no? And up till, until today, the author is hiding his actions and blaming somebody else for every silly thing that he does. The great conflict that is stipulated in the great controversy written by Elaine White, 8088, is nothing but the conspiracy uh, that was created as a theory in heaven by Lucifer. And here he says, oh, you people accuse me that I am part of the secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, you know, characterizing me as a globalist. Global internationalist is another version of uh, being a, 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 an adept, adept of the New World Order. He says, and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, one world, if it will. So he says that, I know that you guys accuse me of this, but uh, Rockefeller says uh, later, if this is the charge, that if this is what you accuse me of, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. Yeah, this is on an economical perspective now. Money, everything, all the money in the world must be in a hand of few people. Is that true? What will be that impact? Uh, how about the, our forefathers? Our forefathers in America, those that loved the Lord Jesus Christ and established our country, they knew about Jesuits and papacy, but now we're dealing with money. This is another issue in place. Did the forefathers know about the money? impact about your lifestyle and my lifestyle. Let us go to Thomas Jefferson, 1802. He says, I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, 
The banks and corporations that will grow up around the banks will deprive the people of all property until their children awake, uh, wake up homeless in the continent their fathers conquered. So do you see inflation deflate? When is that coming in California? Starts with California. Once in 10 years, you know? You have the houses prices like up and then down. down. Once in 10 years, we have this wave, correct? I mean, Thomas Jefferson knew that this is a technique to collect all the money from your pocket and make us poor all together. Brothers and sisters, regardless of who we are, what type of eyes we have, we are all equal, at least in one matter. We will become poor, equally poor, because all the money will be taken out from us and all the properties. Now, Ellen G. White, coming back to our spirit of prophecy, is coherent with the statements of these forefathers, Evangelist, page 62. Debts accumulated, then come the closing and failures of banks. And the foreclosures of mortgages, thousands have been turned out of employment, and so on and so forth. She says families lose their little all. They borrow and borrow and then have to give up their property and come out penniless. When I read this, I think that it's 2018 statement in newspaper. It's not a, a 18 or 19th century, correct? When, when I read this, it's so present, so vivid, so modern, and it's for 2018. And she says, poverty, it's coming upon this world. And there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. There will be wars and rumors of wars, she says. And the faces of men will get a paleness. You may have to suffer distress. You may go hungry sometimes. But God will not forsake you in your suffering. This is the truth about future. Our future as the people of God. We love the Lord Jesus and we want him to come. But while he's coming, the spirit of prophecy says, we may have to suffer distress. We may go hungry sometimes. But God will not forsake you in your suffering. He will what? Test your fate. In India, China, Russia, in the States of America, thousands of men and women are dying of starvation. Can you imagine that such a scenario will occur in these countries? Can you imagine that in our beautiful, wonderful country, people to die on the street of starvation? Is that possible? Okay, if you tell me somewhere in, uh, give me a country, poor countries, Burundi, or you know, but when you talk about America, Russia, China is very rich now. I mean, some of the people are rich. But Ellen White has this statement. People, thousands of people and women are dying of starvation. They, the money men, uh, the uh, moneyed men, because they have the power control to the market, they purchase at low rates all they can obtain and then sell it at great increase, increased prices. This means starvation to the poor classes. This means to be an investor. Is that true? To be an investor, meaning to wait for you, poor man, to sell your house to, house to the minimum. I'm going there, put some fan, fancy granite uh, countertops and change your cabinets and sell that house of yours with another 100,000 in top, yes? You know, it, it's, it's not something bad. Uh, it's called investment, investors. And uh, the investors are coming and help you, the poor classes. 
Ellen G. White is, uh, ha has a different perspective and will result in what? Civil war. There will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. So definitely the economical impact, brothers and sisters, will put people to fight against each other. Economic and civil war in America, hard to believe. But food, it's a problem, yes? Whenever you stay five days hungry, your mental thinking is really, really changing. You know, people were cannibalizing each other. I heard uh, somewhere in uh, South America a, a plane crashed and they didn't have anything to eat and they start to eat the, the cadavers, the corpse of dead bodies of the people that uh, died here. So you never know who you are or I never know who I am until I'm exposed to the extreme limits of my human ability to, to think and to act. But I tell you, Starvation, it's something that can change the behavior of our society. Now, this is stipulated by Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And as there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in what? in the book. So who is the one that promised us? What was the key text? I'm coming to conclusion. What was the key text, brothers and sisters? That he will deliver us from our whom? Our enemies. And then they will allow us, Jesus will allow us to worship him or to serve him without fear. Who is this Jesus? At that time, Michael, the great prince, will stand for the children of thy people. And there will be a time that was never been before. However, the people, thy people, shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Uh, uh, in the book. Ellen G. White uh, has a, a commentary about this. Money will soon depreciate in value. Very suddenly, when the reality of eternal sins opens to the sins of sense, senses of man. So Ellen G. White sets the deflation, inflation, co economical collapse, and all these things right at the verge of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see civil war, starvation, famine in our country, you know, that is money will soon depreciate in value. When you see that, suddenly will happen when the reality of eternal sins opens uh, to the senses of man. And uh, definitely it's very sad. What about the politicians? I remember with a great uh, respect about uh, uh, JFK, who really believed in a free America where separation in church and state is absolute. And where he says that I believe that America that is officially neither Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, so on and so forth, no public official either request, accept instructions on public policy from the Pope National Councils of the churches. And uh, he died for this, for, this, uh, for this beautiful principle, correct? Did he die? Well, they say he was assassinated. We don't care about, I mean, we don't really scan or focus on who is the, the, the one. But the problem is that the voice of the politicians are changing. When he says this beautiful statement that is in correlation with Ellen G. White's statement in the scripture and in correlation with Jesus, we have a new voice. I'm going to work very hard to repeal uh, that language and protect free speech of all Americans. So 
uh, we have a new president that has a different position in regard to the position that was traditional for America, unfortunately. Now, Ellen White says, comments about change of politicians' mind, kings and rulers and governors have placed upon themselves the brand of Antichrist and represented as the dragon goes to make war with the saints. With those keep the, keep the commandments of God and who have the faith of Jesus. In their enmity against the people of God, they show themselves guilty also of the choice of Barabbas instead of Christ. So if a politician will come before the Lord, what will be his guilt, Ellen Joy says? They will be guilty because of what? They choose wrong. Instead of choosing Christ, they choose whom? Barabbas. And I have a, I have a, a, a concrete practical example. Look at this. Uh, John Paul II, one of the most prominent uh, uh, popes came in America for the first time as a pope, even though based on constitution we don't receive visits of the popes. You come either as a bishop of Rome or you come as a president of Vatican. You cannot come as a pope because pope means king and, 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 and uh, pope together, or the religious and political together. And constitutionally we don't accept. Ronald Reagan is the one, first one that accepted the, uh, this compromise. So any person from Vatican will be welcome to visit, but you come either as a bishop of Rome, re religious representative, or you come as a uh, president or political representative of your country. But you cannot come as a pope because we don't recognize popes. But things were changing, yes? And look what uh, they say. They, they choose Barabbas instead of Christ. How can a politician choose Barabbas instead of Christ? How? Let, let's see. Uh, this is newspapers. He is the man of all times, the man of all situations, the man of all faiths, a superstar of the church. Brethren, this is, this is the declaration of the most preeminent personalities when the first pope came to visit America. Now, definitely, this is a subliminal message, uh, a double meaning. Uh, I would like to share with you what is this. Uh, let me translate. What is to be, uh, he says, the man of all times? What is to be the man of all times? Let's translate these expressions. What is the man of all times? Eternal past, present, and future. That means to be all times, correct? When you are all times, past, present, and future. That's eternal. But this is the man of all times. The Pope is instead of God. This is the man of all situations. What is to be the man of all situations? Omniscient. The man of all faiths. That means that you are the Savior, correct? And these three elements were credited to whom? To the Pope. And Ellen G. White says what? Their guilt was that they chose, they chose Barabbas instead of Christ. All these attributes, all these attributes uh, belong to whom in reality? Who is uh, eternal? God. Who is omniscient? God. Who is the Savior? God, Jesus Christ. But they took this and they wrongly choice, cho chosen and applied or misapplied that to Barabbas. Now, they say the Pope is a superstar of the church. That was in the, in the newspaper too. What is this to be a superstar? How, what is to be a superstar of the church? Why do you need to be a superstar, sincerely? How about if you are a star, not a superstar? Can you be a star? No, I want to be a superstar. Why? Look what uh, they say that the Pope is a superstar. But look, Revelation 22.16 says, I am the root of offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So who is the superstar of the universe? 
Jesus Christ. But, well, Jesus, he's symbolized by being the superstar, yeah? I am the root, the bright and the morning star. Not that the Pope uh, is the superstar. So, you see, we have to choose between these two things. Things are simple as long as we have courage and we serve the Lord without fear. And uh, towards the end of this statement is, the influence of Rome in these countries that uh, uh, once acknowledged her dominion is still far from being destroyed. And prophecy foretells a restoration of her power. So Ellen Joy says that everywhere in the world, papacy will be more and more respected. And uh, one statement that I would like to conclude is, why is the Pope uh, so concerned about my personal relationship with Jesus? Would you be so kind to read this? This is a very, very, very sensitive to us. Pope Francis describes as dangerous the temptation to believe that one can have a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you go to pray to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that means that you are tempted. Who tempts? So the Pope says that if you go to talk to Jesus, you are tempted by the enemy. Can you imagine? How, is this a war declaration for Christians that love Jesus? I mean, you are banned by this statement to pray to the Lord Jesus. You cannot pray to the Lord Jesus. I'm sorry. You cannot pray to the Lord Jesus. Uh, uh, you cannot have a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus Christ without communion with and the mediation of the church. So uh, how do we put the Bible verse there is no other savior in between whom? Or intercessor. In between man and God. But the man, Jesus Christ. So how can we reconcile this statement with that statement? You cannot have a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus without having the signature of a pope. That's, that's a pretty, pretty blasphemic statement. Because I love my Jesus. I don't know what my life would be without the Lord Jesus Christ. What I, I, I rather I don't want to live without the Savior Jesus Christ. I don't want. I, I, if I have to stay with the Pope without the Jesus, I don't want to die. I don't want to live. I want my Jesus. And because Jesus did so much good to me, did he do to you as well? The Lord Jesus Christ is everything that we have. And the house will pass away. The money will be taken away. One thing they want to take away from you and from me, brothers and sisters. Who? Is Jesus. But can they take away from you Jesus that we love so much? The Lord says, John says, if they, the, Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that the, uh, hated me before hated you. So Jesus says that if you have the same enemies like me, that means that you are in the right track. Uh, Abraham Lincoln says, a friend is the one that has the same enemies like you. So if Jesus, if Christ's enemies are your friends, something is wrong, correct? I cannot have the enemies of Jesus to be my friends. Is that true? So <laughs> Abraham Lincoln is very clear. If, you, if a friend is the one that has the same enemies like you, I am friend with Jesus because I have the same enemies like Jesus. Amen? If, I, if the Christ's enemies are my friends, is something wrong there, correct? That means that I'm not really friend with the Lord Jesus. If I'm friend with the Lord Jesus, that means that I have the same enemies like him, correct? And uh, 
David's. David, uh, he passed through many stages in his life. Psalm 41, verse 11. By this I know that thou favorest me, because my enemies does my enemy does not triumph over me. In other translations, David says in him, Psalm, Jesus, by this I know that you love me, if my enemies will not triumph over me. Is this a beautiful statement? David is this, Jesus, I don't have anybody to defend me. Against all these things that we have read, we have no defense, brothers and sisters. But who is the defender? Jesus. And, and David is, is forcing Jesus to pledge our rescue, our life. And Peter, uh, David says, by this I know I, you love me, if my enemy will not triumph over me. And this is one of the most powerful statements that encouraged me in my, my time in the Valley of Shadow of Death. And Daniel 10, 21 says, but I will show thee that which is noticed and uh, noted in the scripture of truth. There is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. So the angel confirms that, yes, I'm coming to save you, to rescue from the hand of your enemies. Now, the question is, brothers and sisters, can Jesus save, rescue you from the hand of your enemy? Who is our enemy? Satan. Can Jesus come and say, listen, this son of mine is in your mouth, the mouth of a lion. Can Jesus come and put his hand in the mouth of the lion? And took us away from that mouth. Can he? Where is that in the Bible? Look at this. Isaiah 49, 24. And this is my final statement. Shall, they pray, shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive deliver? This was our question. Can he? And look what the Lord Jesus says. But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away. And the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contended with me, and I will save thy children. So here is the truth about future. When the Lord Jesus Christ will come, he promised us, because he set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. It will, I will set him on high, because he had known my name. If we know the Lord Jesus, because he says, because his love is upon me. Because in translation is like this. Jesus says, because you live you, love me, therefore I deliver you. If you love Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to deliver you. And when he will come, brothers and sisters, I will like to spend my eternity at his feet and to embrace his holy feet of the Lord Jesus. That day is right here at that moment and this is the truth about future. Jesus is coming soon. And I want to go home to spend eternity. I think that I need many, many weeks just to look to him. I don't need bananas and oranges, okay? I don't need grapefruit juice. I need just to stay to look to the Lord. I need, I, I have so much thirst to see the beauty of his eyes. I need to see Jesus. I need to hear Jesus. Ellen Joy says that, that his voice is the best melody you ever he heard. The, 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 the voice of the Lord Jesus. I miss him. I want to go home. Do you want to go home, brothers and sisters? He's coming. He's the mighty one. He can rescue. The first, I, I spent 35 minutes to, to present the reality of our enemies around us. And not only our enemies, but the reality of the enemies of Christ. And a few minutes 
to demolish 40 minutes of scary stuff. Our Jesus, our Michael, our Savior is coming, and he has full strength and power to redeem us and to pull us away from the mouth of the lion because he is our daily friend. And we do have a personal, immediate, direct relationship with Jesus, correct? Every day. This is what the Pope fears. If you have a direct, immediate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Pope knows that you are invincible. And may the Lord bless us and give us strength to have a personal, immediate, and permanent relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.